Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones, and I want to share this quiet talk with you today. What's in a name? Thus spake the young star-crossed lover, Juliet. If I remember rightly from the 11th grade, and frankly, I don't remember much from the 11th grade, she was alluding to the fact that her name and Romeo's name more or less symbolized the feud between their families. In her mind, the fact that her name was Capulet and Romeo's was Montague meant nothing in view of their immortal love for each other. I guess she had a point in their case, but the fact is there is a lot in a name. If you were called a bad name when you were young, there's a chance that that name has influenced your life in many ways, at least in the way you perceive yourself. As I'm sure you know, in the Bible, names are very important. In one of the most significant events in spiritual history, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. There are other examples of significant individuals having their names changed. Simon's name was changed by Jesus to Peter. Saul of Tarsus, who had persecuted the church before his conversion, became known as Paul, which means small or humble. In the messages to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus says this to the church at Pergamum, to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Names in the Bible are more than identifiers. They signify character. Jacob means supplanter or trickster. It certainly fit him most of his life, but God changed his name to Israel, which means he strives with God. The name Peter, which Jesus gave to Simon, means a rock. Of course, no name we could mention is more vital and important than the name of our God. Moses encountered God at the burning bush and said to him, what is your name? In other words, what kind of a God am I dealing with here? He knew the people of Israel would ask him this. In a way, Moses was seeking to know if this God could be trusted to be with him in the great assignment he was receiving to go and deliver his people from slavery. God said to Moses, I am who I am. In Hebrew, now this is Yahweh. When I was a boy, it was Jehovah, but apparently Hebrew scholars have changed their opinion of the pronunciation of this most holy name since then. The reason the pronunciation of the name God gave himself is uncertain is because the Hebrews were afraid to say it. It was so holy. As you know, the third commandment is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. They decided that the best way never to do this was just never to say the name of God at all. So the original pronunciation was lost. Instead of saying Yahweh, the name God identified himself by the Israelites, substituted the word Adonai, which means Lord. You will notice that in many English translations of the Bible, in the Old Testament, the word Lord is usually in all capital letters. When you see this, it means that the underlying Hebrew word is really Yahweh, the name they were afraid to say. Now, let's look into the New Testament for a few minutes and think about the significance of God's name. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the passage I'm going to look at. It is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. 
have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has given his Son the name above every name. I used to think that name referred to here is Jesus, but follow me for a moment. I think you'll be greatly blessed by what I'm about to share with you. The name Jesus was the Greek form of Joshua. We all know who Joshua was. He led the victory at Jericho and many other places as the people of God took the promised land. There was another man called Joshua who was high priest in the period after the exile. I've never known anybody who named their son Jesus, but many have. The ones I've heard about are mostly baseball players from the West Indies. They pronounce it Jesus. In fact, here in Philippians, the name above every name is Lord. Remember what we said about this word in the Old Testament. Paul was writing to people who knew exactly what he meant when he said that Jesus of Nazareth was Lord. In their minds, this would equate with saying Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is God. I'm sure the Philippians were struck by this statement. It was a very powerful declaration of the divinity of Jesus. To the Jews, it was blasphemy. When Jesus said, I and the Father are one, they started to pick up stones to stone him to death because he made himself equal with God. So when we say Jesus is Lord, we're saying a lot. The word Lord by itself means ruler. And our Modern culture, the word boss would probably be more descriptive. The person in charge is the Lord. Remember, in the medieval times, there was always the Lord of the manor. He was the boss of everybody. But we say more than that when we claim that Jesus is Lord. Along with Paul, we affirm that he is equal with God. All of this brings up the subject of the Trinity, which I don't have time to cover in this talk today. Suffice it to say that from at least the beginning of the fourth century, the universal affirmation of the Christian church is that God exists in one essence, but three persons, whom the Bible refers to as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Speaking of those early Christian centuries, when Jesus lived and For many years after, the Roman Empire ruled the part of this world in which our faith began to spread. The Romans were pretty smart in the way they ran their empire. You might say they were sort of multicultural. They didn't care what kind of gods you worshipped except for one thing. They required their subjects to acknowledge the Caesar as Lord. If you were willing to say these words and offer a pinch of incense... They would let you worship whoever else you wanted. Just say, Caesar is Lord. The early Christians said, sorry, Caesar, no can do. Jesus is Lord. Because of their unwillingness to just say these simple words of loyalty to the empire, many of them died horrible deaths. 
their conviction that Jesus was Lord and God was more important to them than life itself. I'm afraid many people today have this same sort of multicultural, pluralistic view of Jesus Christ. They say, sure, I believe in Jesus, but for them, he's just another figure in the pantheon of things and people to believe in. They believe in Jesus, they say, but they also believe in the pursuit of pleasure, living for today, having no real moral convictions that might bring criticism on themselves or opposition from this totally pagan culture that surrounds us today. What about you? Can you say with all your heart, along with Paul, that Jesus is Lord? Can you say that because he is equal with the Father, that you are building your life around him and his purposes in this world? Jesus is not just a nice fellow from history who taught us to be nice and get along. He is the eternal Son of God who will come again one day to judge the world in righteousness. If you have not already done so, I urge you with all my heart to bow before his lordship today. Heavenly Father, the Bible says that if we believe in our heart, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in our hearts that God raised him for the dead, we'll be saved. Lord, if there was one person listening to me, if this quiet talk just randomly happens to come before some person who has never done that. I pray that the Holy Spirit will quicken their heart and help them to see and understand that they must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not only must they bow before him, but they must confess and believe that he is God in the flesh. He died for their sins, and he is coming again one day to rule this world. Thank you, Jesus, for this hope in your precious name. Amen. My dear friends, some of us are seeking in this Schenectady, New York area to clearly and boldly affirm that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are urging people to give their lives to Christ, to come to him in repentance and confession of sin, that their sins might be forgiven. They might have new life and hope in Christ. So would you pray for us? Our group is called the Bread of Life Anglican Church. We meet Sundays at 10 o'clock at the American Legion Hall, which is at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. If you're in that area, if you don't have a church home, we would certainly love to meet you. As always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.